Hey, good morning, Ignite. How are we doing today? Good. Man, that is great to hear. I, I, I wanted to start off today just by saying I'm so excited um, to just be here on Sunday. I look forward to Sunday all week long. I love gathering together with you guys. Uh, one of my, my absolute favorite things to do um, all week and, and, and just the, the opportunity um, that, that we have and we get on, on, on Sundays to gather together. I don't know. I just just been been feeling really good about about uh, some of the directions that Ignite's going and some of the things that are happening. And honored that you guys would choose to uh, uh, call this your home or show up here more than once or listen to me for 20 minutes. I don't know, you know. Um, Facebook, I, I welcome back, guys. Sorry we missed a few weeks. Had to uh, figure some stuff out with that. But to you guys, too, I mean, some people geographically can't be here. And it was kind of interesting to see the outpouring of people that uh, kind of reached out to me last week after we didn't do the Facebook Live thing, and they were like kind of upset, and oh man, and we do have a good community out there as well too, um, and we're still working on some stuff to continue to bring Jesus to the community outside of these walls in whatever way we can, so we've got some stuff planned, but I don't know, I just this week felt um, a lot of gratitude uh, about what is going on, and you guys specifically uh, hanging out with us each Sunday, so I want to thank you guys um, for that, but... Um, Start off today, uh, I'm going to tell you a story. When I was about five years old, probably one of the most tragic things that, that ever happened to me in my life happened, or at least as I remember it, I would say it was one of the most tragic things. That's how my memory works with it now. But my, my sister and my aunt and myself, we all went up to the elementary school to go up and play on the playground. My aunt was older than us, old enough to watch us, but just a couple years older, so like she's quite a bit younger than like my mom and dad. Um, I, she was probably about 13 at the time. I don't know. I didn't do the math on how old she was. But anyway, we all go up to the, the elementary school, and we're up playing up in the playground. And uh, I'm, I'm running around. I remember I, I was trying to catch this bugs are. It, nothing, man. Okay, one person knows what a June bug is. Maybe that's not what they're called. We called them June bugs because they come out in like June and July. But green little beetle bugs. And we would catch these things and we would put a string on their leg, and then they would like fly, and you would have like a pet for 20 minutes. We were poor, okay? That was our fun and enjoyment. So uh, I'm trying to catch this, this June bug, and uh, it starts flying up because it has the ability to fly. I do not. But I notice that there's a slide right there, and I can just like maybe walk up the slide and reach back, and you know, it's, as it's flying up, I can get it. So I get to the top, and I'm kind of chasing this thing up the, the slide, and, and when I get to the top, it kind of starts going back, and so I reach back to kind of, I'm going to catch it, but I don't have a good grip on it, and I fall like 15, 20 feet to the ground um, and ended up breaking my leg in a couple places. Of course, my, my aunt's carrying me home, and I'm screaming and wailing and crying, and she's saying, your leg isn't broke, your leg isn't broke, you can walk, you can walk, and uh, I'm, I'm, I'm belly aching around, but, you know, I, I, I wasn't able to... Uh, protect myself or catch myself because this is the 80s and we didn't care about children and safety. And so there is no wood chips at the bottom to break my fall. There's no like mechanisms on the slide to kind of keep you in and secure. It's just a ladder and a slide down on this in, in this public place. So uh, poor Mike had to spend the whole summer in a, in a cast. Um, but, but the whole problem with that scenario is there was nothing to protect me. There was nothing to catch me. There was nothing to, to warn me that this probably could be dangerous because you're up 20 feet in the air and you could, could fall. 
This makes sense, and, and as I tell the story, you kind of get where I'm tracking with it as we talk about rumble strips and what they do. Um, I, I did want to tell you the end of the story, although it doesn't make as much sense as, as with my example. So about 14 years later, I'm 19 years old. My sister's moved off on her own, living in Michigan. I'm living in Joplin. My parents live in Kansas City area. And we're all eating lunch at a Chinese restaurant one day. And I don't remember how it came up, but it came up, and I'm retelling this exact same story that I just told you guys. Well, as I'm telling the story, my sister just starts laughing and laughing. And, and, and it's not like I'm doing a good job telling the story laughing. It's like maniacal laughing. And I stop, and I just said, what is so funny, Trace? She says, I can't believe that you thought you were chasing a June bug up that slide. You and I were racing up the slide, and I got to the top first. I pushed you off, and you fell. And the whole way home, I was telling you, you were chasing a bug up the slide. You were chasing a bug up the slide. You were chasing a bug up the slide. <laughs> it's amazing how the human brain works. I vividly have pictures in my mind of chasing that bug up that slide, and it never even happened. Anyway. Funny end of the story, but not really the point I was, was, was making. Um, rumble strips, though. Uh, rumble strips are this, this warning system uh, that we have on, on the road to help us continue to pay attention uh, at where we're at and where we're going. They, they help uh, wake us up whenever we aren't paying attention to being in the center of the lane of where we're supposed to be. You know, there, there was nothing on that slide to catch me as I got to the top, and there was no barriers like now. They have like tunnels that you have to climb up to get to the top to, to catch you if you, you, you fall backwards. But, but fortunately, we have a warning system like that on the road that helps protect us a little bit. Uh, we have a warning system like that for, for our soul, too, that helps protect us when we begin to kind of veer off. We, we've been looking at this book, Ephesians, and, and Paul wrote this book of Ephesians. We talked about it quite a bit last week. If you didn't catch last week, I'd encourage you to go online and, and check it out as we went a little bit deeper into there. But the, the, the quick version of Ephesians is, the Ephesians is written in two parts. The first part is about the blessings, and the second part is about the behaviors. So, so the blessings that, that God gives each one of us as, as Christians, as Jesus followers, and, and then he talks about because of those blessings, because of the things that happen to us, our behavior changes. Our behavior comes different. So we have to understand that, that we adjust our behavior because of the blessings. We don't adjust or we don't get more blessings because of our behavior. It's about the blessings come first. So we're going to go back and look at Ephesians 5 this week as well, too. Um, as it starts out in verse 14, we'll, we'll start out just like we did last week. Wake up, sleeper. Rise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. Be careful, then, how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity, because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. Do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit, speaking to one another with psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit. Sing and make music from your heart to the Lord, always giving thanks to God the Father for everything in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Submit to one another with reverence. So this series is called Rumble Strip, and we're referring to those strips on the road 
which are both tactile and audible, and they have one purpose. They do one thing. The reason they wake up in the morning and get dressed and go out to their job every day is for, for one reason only, and that is to let us know that we're moving in the wrong direction. We experience them on the outside of the road, and we can experience them on the inside of the road. And both of them are important. The outside of the road keeps us from going into the ditch. The inside of the road keeps us from going into oncoming traffic, possibly coming the other way. So there's outside and inside, or internal and external. Either way, they're both important. They're important because the best way to protect ourselves is by detecting early that there's danger or, or a warning sign coming up. I mean, whenever I fell and broke my leg, it's awesome that there were medical people that could help me get it into a cast and, and, and help it heal again, and so I'm not having a condition my whole life, and it was taken care of. Interestingly enough, the medical person that helped me in that situation was my grandma, because my mom and dad were at my grandparents' house when my aunt got home and called them and said, hey, you know, this happened, Mike fell, and so my grandma worked in the ER as a nurse at the time, and my mom and dad came home and got me, took me to the ER, and she was already there, um, and took me through the whole process and did everything, so... Um, but it's great that, that they're there, but what would have been better is if there were some notification center or some warning system or some way to tell me, hey, dummy, you probably don't want to do that. Hey, you know what? You probably don't want to race your sister up the slide because she's a jerk, you know? Um, but, uh, but, but it would be better if I could have prevented it altogether. That's the idea that we're looking at here. It's why it's so important. I mean, if we think about our lives and, and think about some of the things that we've done that we regret, and I've talked to many of you, and you definitely have a lot of scenarios that you might regret within your life, wouldn't it have been better if there would have been something or someone or some situation there that would have said, hey, dummy, you probably don't want to do that. Hey, hey, you probably should think a little bit more about that choice before you make it. You probably should make better decisions for that. And that's what I'm hoping in this series, as we go through it, that we're going to begin to ask God to put these rumble strips in our life. And, and even better than that, we're going to be better at listening to these, these rumble strips. And next week, we're going to talk about the, the external rumble strips, the ones on the outside of the road. But this week, we're talking about internal rumble strips, or more specifically, your, your conscience. When we, we, we talk about a conscience, we're talking about a, a few things as, as we kind of describe what that is or talk about what it is. So, so first of all, a conscience is something that's inside of every one of us. Um, you've felt it. I've felt it. may feel different to you. You may hear different words than, than, than I hear. But we've all had that moment where we have that, that unmistakable sensation when we're about to do something and we just kind of know we shouldn't do that. Deep down inside, you hear that thing saying, no, 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 you probably shouldn't do that. You probably should make better choices than that. You probably should think wiser than that. And it may be different for each one of us, but it's hardwired into all of us. And at some time, we've had that moment 
where, where we've had that feeling. In Romans chapter 2, Romans is a, another letter that, that Paul wrote where he talks about this conscience that's in each one of us. And he actually says that, that uh, the conscience is proof that there is a God. Paul's talking about a couple reasons why there's proof that there's God. One of the reasons, he says, is because of the beauty of the earth. Because this world is so beautiful, that proves that there's a God. That couldn't just happen by accident or happenstance, but when, when you have that moment where you see the sunset and it just takes over you and you just think, man, how beautiful is that? Or, or you see the, the, the clouds whisking by and the sun just peering through them or, or the waterfall that you see that's, that's just made by nature and you see those things in those moments and, and Paul's saying, you know, we know there's a God because how beautiful this earth is and, and that's proof that God exists. But, but he also says we know there's a God because when we come to this moment, this moment where we're having to make a decision between right and wrong, that, that moment is just different uh, for us than it is any other creature on... Creature? That's not even a word. Creature or creation. You can't add words together and make new ones. Um, but uh, it's different than it is for anybody else on this earth. Humans are different. Something else is within us. I mean, you don't see your dog sitting there contemplating whether something is a good decision or not a good decision. Should I have that extra bowl of food, or is it going to go to my hips, or whatever? You know, animals don't think that way, you know? Lions. Lions, whenever a lion comes over and takes a pride over, the first thing it does is it eats all the lion cubs. It eats them all up. And we're appalled by that. We're like, why? But a lion, they don't even think about it. They don't have a conscience like we do. We have this ability to, to think between right and wrong and yes and no. And Paul talks about that uh, in Romans 2.15. He says it like this. He says, they show that God's law is not something alien, imposed on us from without, but woven into the very fabric of our creation. It's built into every one of us, woven into us. There's something deep within us that echoes God's yes and no, his right and, and wrong. There's something built into our souls that, that, that says this is yes, this is no, God wants this, God doesn't want you to do this, this is right and, and this is wrong. So your conscience is built into you. And uh, the second thing about your conscience is uh, it's something with, within us that is really quiet. Uh, they describe it actually in, in, in 1 Kings. It talks about, you know, after the fire came, a gentle whisper. And that gentle whisper they're speaking of in here is, is, is the voice of God, of God speaking to us. So this, this rumble strip on the inside that we have called our conscience is really quiet. Uh, it's a gentle whisper. And we might feel it. But it's still a, a quiet voice, a little gentle nudge. But this gentle nudge can a lot of times save our life. So it's built in, it's quiet. And the third thing about our conscience that we have is that uh, it's something trying to hold us back from danger. And those last two words are so important in that statement because I think we feel sometimes the first part of that. My conscience is trying to hold me back. It's trying to hold me back from joy. It's trying to hold me back from fun. It's trying to hold me back from the pressure of the party or the pressure of this moment or this one thing. But, but it's not that it's just trying to hold you back. It's trying to hold you back from 
danger. It's not just some cricket that's dressed in a little tuxedo sitting on your shoulder, you know, giving you your advice. But it's God, and God does want to hold you back, but he wants to hold you back from things that are going to hurt you. Hold you back from things that are going to harm you. Hold you back from an early grave. Hold you back from going to prison. Hold you back from going bankrupt and destroying yourself financially. Hold you back from you know, leading yourself to divorce. So holding you back from, from things that are going to, to be dangerous to you. So our conscience is something we all have. It's, 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 it's quiet. It's a gentle whisper. And it's something that's trying to hold us back from danger. And that's why it's so foolish to try to silence our, our conscience. This is what that, that text we read in verse 15 said, Ephesians 5:15. Be careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise. We want to not live as foolish, not live as wise. And, and what do what do fools do? Fools do things like uh, Oh, like maybe I do whenever I get into the car and I'm just going up to the office and it's not very far and I hear this bing, 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 bing. My car wants me to put my seatbelt on and, and I'm literally annoyed by this thing that is there and put into place to save my life and protect me. That's pretty foolish activity if you ask me. I wonder how many of us sometimes are being foolish because we kind of feel like we're being attacked by our own bodyguard, by, by something that is put there to help us, to protect us, to move us forward. And God put that inside of us to further bless us, ultimately. And that's what we, we see in those verses is this loving hand of God that's trying to actually help us. And whenever he says, don't, he's really saying, don't hurt yourself. Don't be stupid. Don't, don't do something that's going to cause you issues. So that's kind of the foundation of today is this is what a conscious is, and this is why it's in us. And so I want to wrap up today and spend the rest of the day talking about um, three reasons uh, why we should listen to our conscience. And if you're taking notes, the first thing in there is, is the more that you ignore it, the harder it is to hear it. The more you ignore your conscience, the quieter it gets. And you get better at ignoring it. And the better you are at ignoring it, the more you're not going to be able to pay attention and realize what it is that's speaking to you. You know those little security things at Walmart as you walk in there's the things and they're supposed to tell you if you're stealing or not and they all kind of make different noises some of them beep some of them being some of them used to talk to you but it was weird because I couldn't ever hear what they say they'd be like Please come back to Walmart. and I'm like I don't even know what that thing is saying but I know their words but anyway um so I, one of my one of my stores that I run for my business is inside of Walmart so it's right up there in the front of the Walmart where those little security devices are but these ones at this place are broke. They go off about every minute and a half. They make this little beep, 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 like somebody's stealing noise. And the first time I went there, I thought, maybe I don't want to be in this town. Everybody's stealing stuff out of the town. And then I kind of realized that it was broke, and it just went off all the time. They've been broke the whole time. We've been at that store about two and a half months. And a couple of weeks ago, I had to spend uh, pretty much the whole week in this, this store. 
So first couple of days I'm in the store, I was hearing these things go off, and they're annoying me, and I'm like, somebody needs to fix that, and whatever, and maybe I should gripe at Walmart, because they're always griping at me about all the things I do wrong, and um, I left it alone, though. But anyway, so about halfway through the week, I was in there working one day, and I realized, hey, somebody fixed that thing. It's not beeping anymore. That's pretty cool. Beep, beep, beep. Oh, it still was beeping, actually, but I just tuned it out. Like, I'd been in that environment so long that I'd forced myself to ignore it, and I thought they'd fixed it because I hadn't heard it all day long, but really, I just hadn't heard it all day long because I'd, I'd, I'd tuned that out, and that's the same thing that, that can happen to us when it comes to conviction. Whenever we just tune it out, it becomes fainter and fainter and fainter. First Timothy 4.2, it says this. It says, Through the insincerity of liars whose consciences are seared. What, that, what that's talking about there is when, when we clearly hear God's voice but choose to live as we choose to live and not what God wants us to do, then, then we are living a lie. We become liars at that point. And as we're living that lie, our consciousness can get, get seared where we don't even feel it anymore and we don't even hear it anymore. It gets, it gets cauterized where we don't even realize that there is, is a conscience speaking to us anymore. And we live, we live in such a way that one thing leads to another, leads to another. And that's kind of the, the, the point of the rumble strip. The rumble strip isn't going to save you. The rumble strip is just warning you of danger. But the problem is, is the rumble strip... It's not a big deal to be on it, but the rumble strip leads to the shoulder, which leads to the guardrail, which leads to going off the side of a cliff. Or the rumble strip is leading you to the double yellow line, which leads you to going into oncoming traffic. So being on the rumble strip itself isn't going to protect you or hurt you. It's just there to warn you. And the problem with, with ignoring those voices is that that one thing leads to another and leads to another. And, and I heard it put this way before, the, the devil, he's not playing chess, or sorry, he's not playing checkers, he's playing chess. And, and he's thinking six moves ahead. And that one thing might not hurt you, but it's going to lead to this, which leads to this, which leads to this, and the next thing. And the more that you continue to ignore it, the quieter that it gets. The second thing in your notes today, the more you respond to it, the more you anticipate it. So this is the opposite side, which is true. The, the more that you ignore it, the quieter it gets. But the more that you actually respond to the things that your conscience is calling you to do, the more that you are able to anticipate what's going to happen. Because you make a decision that he is God and God created this whole universe and I want to respond and I want to respond in a favorable way that he wants to. And as we begin to live that way, the more we do it, the more we can anticipate this happening. And the reason for that is because you begin to recognize patterns. You recognize the patterns of this world. And that's what wisdom is, essentially. Wisdom is recognizing patterns and reacting according to those patterns that happen. And we're not supposed to act like fools or the unwise, but if we look back at Ephesians 5.15, be careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise. Wants us to live as wise. See, this idea of understanding patterns and reacting to them, this is what makes great athletes great athletes because they understand their opponent's patterns, whether it's a, a, a boxing match or, 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 or a, a football team, the offense, the defense, whichever one, whenever you know your opponents and you know the patterns and the plays that they're going to do and what they've done in the past, what they're going to do next, and you can anticipate that happening, that's what makes you better 
than them. And that's what we're supposed to be, be doing is responding uh, to these patterns that, that come in our life in a way that we know is the correct response to that. And eventually, as this happens, you begin to think things like, well, I'm glad I didn't do that, or I'm glad I did do that, or I get it now, and he wasn't the one, and she wasn't the one, and that wasn't the right deal. And we, as we begin to respond in a proper way, we begin to see those patterns develop. And we grow ourselves a little bit, and we start to know a little bit more of where we're going. And the more that we respond to those rumble strips, the more that we respond appropriately and come back into the lane when we hit them, eventually the rumble strips we're not even going to be hitting. We're going to understand how the road curves, when it curves, when we need to move one way or move another. We begin to anticipate those things in life. We look at the book of Proverbs of what it says, Proverbs 22, 3, it says, a prudent person foresees. They see in advance. They see ahead of time. They foresee danger and they take precautions. The simpleton just goes by blindly on and suffers all the consequences. And that's what Paul is talking about when he's saying, don't fall for the devil's tricks. Man, the devil, the, the, the devil, he's only got a few tricks that he has to use. I mean, I, I said he can be deceiving and he can be conniving, but he, we make it so easy for him. He just puts the hook out there and we bite it. You know, he just knows the stuff. He's like, sex? Oh, yeah. Money? I'll take that hook, you know. I mean, like, like we just go after it. And I'm, I'm sure the demons are like, hey, man, why don't you put some different bait on there? And he's like, these stupid fish keep biting a bear hook. Why do I have to do that, you know? We, we, we go after these things. And so what we should be doing instead of being this idiot fish is we should, be, we should be watching and spotting these patterns, the patterns in life. And the better we are to responding to these patterns and responding in a way that God calls us to, uh, the less we're going to have to rely on those lump rumble strips to keep us where we need to be. So the more you ignore it, the harder it is to hear it, and, and the more you respond to it, the more likely you're going to be able to be to anticipate it. And that third thing in there is the easier that it is to lead you, the more places that you could be taken. Think about, like, horses, Okay. I don't know if anybody's horse riders, but I think this makes sense as I, I say it. So you've got some horses which listen and obey and go the direction that you want them to go. And if you say, whoa, they say, whoa. If you say, go, they say, go. And, and those are the horses you're going to take out on the long journey. The ones that are going to do their own thing, they're going to go where they want to go, that aren't going to listen to you. You're not going to take that horse up the mountain because who knows if you're going to make it back or not if they're making their own decision. It's easier to lead you if you're willing to go the places that I'm going to take you. It's easier to get to where you want to be. God's going to take you in more directions if you are obedient and listen and follow whenever he gives you that, that guidance. The rumble isn't always just about the rumble. It's not always just about keeping you in line. It is because he wants to keep you safe and it is because he wants to keep you out of danger. But he doesn't say don't because he, he, he doesn't want you to. He says don't because he doesn't want you to harm yourself. He, he doesn't say no because he wants to keep you away. He says no because he wants to keep you away from danger. And he wants to take you places, but he has to know that you're willing to listen to him, that you're going to do and follow the things that he says and be obedient. I wonder sometimes how we might be limiting ourselves from God's blessing because we're not willing to listen to the rumble strips that he's taken us to. The places that he wants to take us, 
but we've limited ourselves because we're the horse that we got to keep in the stable because we ain't listening all the other times. Where does he want to take me in business? Where does he want to take me in my relationships? Where does he want to take me in my finances? But I'm not being obedient in the little things for him to take me all the way there. We're missing some of, of God's will that he has for us because because we're not listening. Ephesians 5.17, and we'll wrap this up today, says this, Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. See, see, that's the payoff with all this, is understanding what God's will is for, for us. You get to see what he's dealt out for you. He had, he had in mind for you something amazing when he thought about you, when he created you. He, he knew where he wanted to take you and where you wanted to go. But we got to follow that path. Life's about choices and decisions, and nobody can make you do anything. So we need to, to listen to those. And, and a lack of pliability in our life limits the opportunities that God can actually put in front of us. Here's, here's the thing about all this. Even, even if you're not a Jesus follower, all this makes sense. Like, even if you're like, oh, I don't know about this following Jesus thing, you know, like, I don't know, I kind of like community here, whatever. That's cool. I think there's plenty of other benefits to following Jesus. I'm not saying that at all. But this stuff that we're talking about, it just makes sense. And if you start to listen to your conscience and do the things that, that it's guiding you to do, it can start to turn around your life. And then it'll start turning around your marriage. It'll start turning around your finances. Like, oh, I don't think you should buy that thing. Okay, well, I probably should still. But it, all this is advice for being in control of our lives and not just letting our lives control us. Not just letting it, it run rampant and what happens, happens. So practical application in our lives. How do we apply this to our everyday? I think the easiest way is just look at that. What, what's that most recent rumble strip that God's put in your life? What's that thing that you've heard that you know you're supposed to be doing that you're not doing? That thing that God has, has kind of just placed on your heart and, and you've said, yeah, you know what, I don't really like that one. I don't want to do it. And if we start down that path of just that one thing. You may be thinking... Mike, you don't understand. My life is a mess. It ain't just one thing for me. It's like 50. I don't even know where to start. I don't even know where to begin. Begin with one thing. The, the highway, which is thousands and thousands of miles long, has rumble strips all the way across it. But they cut one, and then they cut one, and then they cut one, and then they cut one, and that's how it got all the way across it. One thing. Wherever you are, that would be my suggestion, is just what is that one thing? What is the thing that we weren't listening to be faithful about, that we know we're supposed to do, that our conscience has been telling us, the way that we need to go? What is that one thing? And, and, and step out in faith on that. I pray as we close out today. And Jesus, I love you so much, Lord. I just, I, I pray this morning that you would give us eyes to see 
ears to hear, a soul to feel what this one thing is that you have in store and plan for us to be, to be faithful on our journey, to, to begin to, to listen to our conscience, but, but stay within the lines, not even have to hit the rumble strips anymore and begin to understand the path that we need to take. How do we anticipate uh, what that next move is for? I pray that as you reveal that to us, you, you, you not only give us the, the ability to see it and hear it, but the strength to continue out with that, Lord. That you help us on that journey and you, you, you help get us from, from where we are now to where you want us to be so we can see those absolute fulfillment of blessings that you have for each one of our lives. I pray this this morning in your glorious name. Amen.